0: Mining is a big part of Idaho's history. After all, there's a reason we're called the Gem State. It's what brought white settlers here in the 1860s when Confederate and Union sympathizers escaped the Civil War to strike it rich in places like Idaho City. In more recent history, the Stibnite mine in the West Central Mountains had its heyday around World War II. During that conflict, the minerals were needed for the country's national defense. But the mine has been dormant for nearly 20 years. Now, a new company sees it as economically attractive again. Midas Gold, a Canadian company, is undergoing the permitting process to build a new, bigger mine on the banks of the East Fork of the Salmon River. That has some people in the McCall region wondering about what the future holds. This is Wanna Know Idaho, the podcast where your questions lead to real answers. I'm Frankie Barnhill. For this story, Cascade-based reporter Monica Goki will help answer some big questions about the mine posed by one person
1: in our community. Fred Coriel is a resident of McCall, Idaho, and he has a question. What impacts
0: will an open pit mining operation, um, like the one proposed by Midas Gold, have on our region.
1: We follow Fred to the banks of the Salmon River outside Riggins, where he's setting up a fishing rod for his son, Frederick. We're setting up my fishing pole. Have you been fishing here before? Yeah. And are there fish here? Have you caught a fish here, Frederick? Yeah. What are the mine's potential impacts? Fred wonders on a beautiful scene like this. I
0: am concerned about the environmental consequences and I'm thinking generations. I'm thinking of my grandchildren and great-grandchildren.
1: He hears that the mine would add local jobs, but he worries about the longevity of that employment.
0: I am most concerned about the boom-bust cycle of this industry on our
2: communities.
1: To help figure this all out, let's start with someone who moved here, for a mining job. Sam? Hi,
2: I'm Sam Field. Nice to meet you. you.
1: Field is 30. He's one of the supervising geologists at the Stibnite Gold Project. He lives in Donnelly with his wife and baby daughter.
2: Uh, We love it. Love living here. Love working here.
1: And what's not to love about Idaho's West Central Mountains? Field enjoys snowboarding, fishing, and dirt biking. For him, working for Midas Gold is a very good job.
2: Yeah, we was very fortunate, you know. We love being here, we love the community, we have some great friends.
1: I ask Field if he's heard the kind of concern shared by Fred, and if he's ever been on the receiving end of distrust or even anger over the Midas Gold project.
2: I have, yeah. I've had people have kind of a negative, uh, you know, you can tell they have a negative opinion about it biased against the project and then and who the people who work for him.
1: What does that feel like? It's
2: just, uh, you know, you just got to, if they're interested to listen, then you guide them towards um, the facts. If they don't want to listen, then just walk away.
1: Fields' job makes him a living example of positive economic benefit. But Casey Mitchell of the Nez Perce Tribal Executive Committee says there's more to the story and he can sum up his beef with stibnite in just one word. Uh, Natsoh. That's the Nez Perce word for salmon.
2: You know, the salmon hold a, uh, held at at a high level of honor and respect for the tribe. You know, we see the importance of the salmon, not only to our people and to our way of life, but to the land itself. They are uh, a keystone species that needs to come back every year in order to replenish this land.
1: The Salmon River has been damaged by the long legacy of mining here. Emmett Taylor is another Nez Perce tribal member, and he's the director of the tribe's Fisheries Watershed Division. He said the Chinook Run on the East Fork of the South Fork of the Salmon River was once on the brink of extinction. And it's through the efforts you know, of the tribe and, and a lot of uh, the partners that we
2: work with that we are we're able to bring those fish back um, to numbers to where we actually there was, could be harvest. Mm.
1: The tribe's fisheries division is largely funded by mitigation payments from Bonneville Power, which operates hydropower dams on the Columbia River. The Nez Perce spend about two and a half million dollars annually on the Salmon River fishery alone. And that's not counting the cultural value of that resource.
2: You know, we've never seen a mine that is, that is compatible with the natural resources of water quality. And that's just a risk that, you know, the tribe just can't, is unwilling to take. What we do support is restoration of the site as it is right now. Mm-hmm.
1: Midas geologist Sam Fields says he hears these concerns and that he also doesn't want anything negative to happen to the environment. And how would you feel if, like, a truck tipped over? I mean, some of these risks you can hedge against, but accidents happen. Do you think the company feels real ownership over potential accidents?
2: I think they do. Um, And this water is in, the water and everything else is in my backyard as well. And I don't want to see anything negative happen with the environment, Um, but there's currently negative things happen in the environment just in the state that the place is in. So there's potential to fix that and clean that up and turn a profit and create jobs and I think the positive outweighs the negative.
1: Cleanup of the Stibnite site has been off and on. To date seven to ten million dollars has been spent to try to restore the site, but it still regularly exceeds allowable limits of arsenic and antimony leaching. There is a long way to go
0: might wanna walk up the beach just a
2: little bit.
1: These are just some of the answers we have to share with Fred, our Wanna Know Idaho guy. On the banks of the Salmon River, he and his kids are still trying to hook a fish.
2: I did not catch a fish.
1: Outdoor tourism is Idaho's third largest economy. That's a much bigger portion of the state's GDP than mining. But both are distinctly Idaho, and the question remains, Can an old-school industry like mining coexist with a new-school economy focused on the outdoors? In Donnelly McCollin-Riggins, Monica Goki, Boise State Public Radio News.
0: Hey, it's Frankie again. It's fitting that Monica ended her piece with another big question. And since this is a podcast, we can take all the time we want to try and understand more about the Stibnite mine. So I called Monica after she filed her radio story with us, and began by asking her to Hi, describe hey, the Monica, footprint of the new mine.
1: As it is now, it's about 500 acres. Um, most of that will be redisturbed again in Midas's, you know, new plans. But they're also going to add another 1,400 acres of disturbance. So you know, it's really like three to four times the size of the original. And it's hard to get a visual on that. You'll hear some people say like two square miles, but um, but it's really sort of like a long amoeba like footprint in the watershed there so tell me more about the jobs question and how much this might you know positively impact the economy there so when you think about jobs there are jobs that um, involve expertise in the mining sector and most those people like the geologists um, the people who do metallurgy they're gonna move from outside because why would a town without a mine have mining expertise right um, so in terms of like the overall picture of jobs, the most jobs are going to be in the build-up construction phase. Um, MIDAS is forecasting they'll hire 800 to 1,000 people. Do you have a sense, though, of how much that actually uh, looks like when it comes to
0: salary? I- I'm assuming there's probably a range depending on what your job is and what phase uh, of the project you're working in.
1: Yeah, that's a good question. It It is pretty well accepted that the mine jobs are going to be... Um, well-paying compared to the median average income of a lot of people who work in Valley County. um. So I think it's fair to say that they are good jobs.
0: Right, right. So um, that's kind of the people impact. What about the impact on the environment um, and that watershed that is so important, uh, especially to, to the salmon run?
1: Yeah, when it comes to the watershed, um, people are really concerned about fishery populations. Uh, three species of fish in the Salmon River drainage have varying degrees of protection under the Endangered Species Act. Um, and through the time I've been covering this, that has definitely been on the forefront of a lot of people's minds. Um, the Nez Perce tribe in particular has taken a very public stance against Midas Gold and the, the Stibnite project. Um, and they've been a longtime objector here. Like They were one of the early um, opposers to exploration drilling back in 2009, 2010, when this whole thing was just getting off the ground. Um, And, you know, we won't really see any litigation until after there's a record of decision, which is expected in the summer of 2020. Um, and, And I think it's going to be really interesting to watch, Frankie. You know, in a way, we could see a case that really tests the strength of the Endangered Species Act against the General Mining Law of 1872. Let me also dispel one quick myth here. You know, with all this talk on salmon, it's really easy to get into the mentality of, oh, you know, if only Stibnite was cleaned up, then there'd be salmon. Um, But populations of salmon on the Salmon River um, and really all over the inland northwest, um, they are severely affected by the dams on the Snake and Columbia Rivers. So while salmon definitely need healthy headwaters to thrive and spawn, um, the salmon populations here are really facing a two-punch whammy.
0: Gotcha. Well, okay. Here's a vocabulary question now. Um, What is the difference between reclamation, restoration, and mitigation? We've heard those those terms used in different various ways, uh, depending on who you're talking to. What is what is the difference with all of those?
1: Oh yeah, I'm glad you asked about the vocabulary. Okay, so this was kind of hard for me um, going into this story. Reclamation, restoration, mitigation. So you hear the most beef over the term restoration because there is no like legal definition of restoration, but it's been like, very, very ubiquitous in Midas's um, like materials and plan of operations. Um, Midas's definition of restoration is to make the site look like there was never a mine there when they're all finished, um, and that's like that's a really good promise. A lot of people are really attracted to that, but critics say critics like really don't think the company can do it. Um, you know, they ask questions like, "How are you going to get trees to grow? Where are you going to get topsoil to cover you know these huge tailings piles?" Um, so restoration is very subjective it, it's really a promise um, restore the site is what Midas has been saying um, reclamation on the other hand is sort of um, like a, a definition in process um, reclamation is something that needs to happen to every mine it's more or less making the site stable after extraction so that hard metals aren't leaching out um, so that no like continuing harm is being done to the site. And then lastly, mitigation, it's sort of like a tit-for-tat type term. You know, uh, we know that digging a big hole in the ground to extract minerals is not a good thing for the environment. Um, So mitigation is sort of like a means of um, saying if we do something bad here, maybe we can do something good here, like a river restoration project or maybe some uh, stream bank restoration. And it's important to note with mitigation, you know, the mitigation efforts don't have to be focused on the site itself. They could be like way downstream. Um, they could be payments to a group that does restoration on its own. Um, mitigation is really uh, it's kind of a wild card. It, it could be any number of things here.
0: Tell me a little bit about Laurel Sayer. And and why she is important in this?
1: I think it's going to be really interesting to watch Midas CEO Laurel Sayer. Uh, she's kind of been playing from the bench in terms of community engagement. Uh, she's very soft-spoken in person, um, but I think people have really you know mistaken Sayer for a pit bull when in fact she's more like a dragon in terms of her political power. Um, she spent a large chunk of her career working for Idaho Congressman Mike Simpson. Um, I have it on background that she was at the negotiating table when Boulder White Clouds was being designated as wilderness, um, which was a big process. And and I just think that her political power, it, it's been underestimated here. And I'm curious, you know, Sarah has some ties to the conservation community. I'm really curious to see if those same people kind of put her feet to the fire and tell her that she needs to use her political wherewithal to get the Snake River dams removed. You know, I'm not a good judge of whether or not that's within her capacity, but, but I think we're going to see a time when, um, conservationists you know tell Midas like if you're serious about walking your talk on restoring this river for salmon the Snake River dams are a piece of that puzzle and I'll be curious to see how that plays out whether whether Midas takes that cause up at all.
0: Okay well thank you Monica so much for uh yeah your in-depth reporting and for talking us through it um and yeah it's it's been great to to have you be part of Want Idaho this episode.
1: Oh, Frankie, thanks so much for having me. This was a really cool story. I really enjoyed talking to a lot of the different people who are impacted by this. And, you know, I live up here, too. So I'm always curious to know what the scoop is with these kind of things going on in a, in this area.
0: Thanks to listener Fred Coriel for helping to tell this story. And big ups to Boise Music Project Up is the Down is the for our theme music. Usually, this is the part where I ask you to subscribe or rate the podcast. But since it's that time of year when we're all around friends and family, how about you just tell someone about it? Share the podcast love this season. Until next time, stay curious, Idaho.